1: Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So... <laughs> I wanted, I've been wanting to bring back this classic for a while. Um, it is a feminist movie Friday. It is not Friday as this comes out. It is, in fact, Saturday. But who knows when you're listening to it. But it is the first one we did, and it's the one we did on Alien. i are yes. so excited throughout. You could just feel it through the audio and waves.
2: <laughs> it has also been featured in several other podcasts and other lists to listen to because they were like, Oh, my God, she does. You specifically do an amazing job in talking about the allegories behind it, the uh, metaphors, all of it, yes. the symbolism. And they're like, yes, and I feel like this really just opened up the genre of your your love and <laughs> kind of like cross over to movie crush anyway. So absolutely. Yeah. You have made yourself a legend with this
1: one. <laughs> I did talk about it on Movie Crush, um, so you can go check that episode out as well. If if this is you want more after this, which <laughs> who wouldn't? But I wanted to bring this up because you know Samantha, you were asking when we got we were so lucky to get our Sminty team together digitally for an episode recently. We were talking about holiday traditions we have. One that I used to have when we were growing up was we would go see a movie. Usually on the 23rd, but sometimes on on Christmas Eve. And it was like a big... Every year, we would talk about what movie we we're going to see. And I, I loved it because I do love movies. And a lot of like when you were saying, you know, Harry Potter is kind of straddling that line of Christmas movies. A lot of times it would be Christmas movies. It would be a Harry Potter movie. I would win because they come out around that time. or They used to come out around that time. But there's kind of a notorious instance where my older brother chose star trek nemesis yeah. even though he knew i had a fear of aliens <laughs> and i couldn't sleep at all at night not because i thought santa was coming but because i was scared right. Like <laughs> um, but i was just thinking about that and about this movie and how badly it would have scared me if i saw it when i was younger so in in the holiday spirit of a tradition i used to have please enjoy <laughs> this classic episode Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. And today, finally, finally, I have waited so long, we are talking about Alien. Alien. The Not movie. aliens. Yes. I
2: already corrected her. I've already been yelled at a few times Actually, in the last week, <laughs> not only by you, but the friend, he he continues to be like, it's Alien.
1: Well, and I was saying I completely understand that mistake because I actually saw Aliens first because I didn't realize it wasn't a, a one, two situation. The sequel is Aliens with an S directed by James Cameron. But that's not the one we're talking about today, although we will mention it. Um, we're going to be talking about the 1979 Ridley Scott film Alien. So, if you somehow, someway haven't seen it and don't want to be spoiled, then you may want to skip this one. Trigger warning two for sexual assault and rape and discussion of disturbing sexual imagery. Yes. Um, and I know longtime listeners of this show should be celebrating for me, because I said, (laughs) I think in the very first episode, I just want to talk about Alien, (laughs) and here we are. And here we are. Yes, because it is the 40th anniversary of Alien. Correct. Right, and it is back in theaters for a few days, beginning October 13th, so this is a chance to see it on the big screen if you want, Um, and we, of course, went or will be going, depending on when you listen to this. Right. for research, this is some of the best research. I, I
2: will say I, we started our research early. Yes. Because I refused to do this episode until I watched it because I knew this was going to be a probably four-hour
1: uh-huh.
2: episode. Yeah. With your excitement and your, um, what is it, zeal? zeal thank you (laughs) to continue and to talk about it and i'm really excited with you so i'm like okay cool let me watch this and i did watch it i didn't have commentary but there was a lot of commentary from Mm -hmm. both sides of me yes i'm like what's happening okay what okay what to a lot of explanations to a lot of here it comes moments (laughs) i heard that a few times yeah um so I, i i did we did already kind of do a A pre-research, yes, Um, but it's not going to be in the. It wasn't in theater, so. And I promise to keep quiet in the theater. I'm really glad you had the chance to be able to get all of your excitement out, Mm -hmm. so that when we're in the theater, you wouldn't do that. Right. (laughs) I still
1: want to do one viewing, and you don't have to go. But I want to do one with a themed like cocktail that's red and. Uh, just the whole thing is just discussion. And, and, hey, you know I'm always down with alcohol. I'll just be sitting there and nodding. You'll just let me get it out. (laughs) Let me get it out. I'm like, yes, here we go. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, this was something I was very excited to share with you and with anyone who hasn't seen it or has only seen it once or twice in passing and you haven't taken this critical feminist lens to it because you will not be able to unsee all of the stuff we're talking about. So if you happen to not want to watch it with a feminist lens, maybe skip it as well. But I think it's fun. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I have told this story on the show before, I think, but um, thanks to a truly epic and very mean and honestly successful prank, uh, <laughs> my older brother played on me. I was terrified of aliens, like the, the trope, the thing, the monster in movies, until fairly, fairly recently. I didn't see E.T. and Independence Day until I think a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> my friends made me watch E.T. after we wrote the E.T. ride at Universal. And yeah. I was like, wait, what is, what, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hmm, it's very different than the movie, I've got to say, The Ride. The only movie I've ever walked out on because of fear was lost in space. And yes, I know that's not a great movie, but I was scared and I <laughs> left. Um, and I almost walked out on signs. I would have walked out if my friends hadn't been there and I was too embarrassed. I will say of all three of these movies, I've only seen E.T. Really?
2: Yeah, cuz you know, I, I kind of told you already. I'm not a big sci-fi mm-hmm. fan. So, the idea of aliens has never been uh something that I've been re- like really interested in seeing. Mm-hmm. Give me vampires, give me ghosts, give me demons, give, you know, all right. of those all day, but technically aliens, I'm like, okay, cool.
1: Cool. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, what up? Yeah, cool. Um and I did have on my list I had two movies that I... Because I was trying to get over this fear. Right. Um, actively. And the two movies I had at the top of my list, working my way up, was Event Horizon and Aliens. Because, again, I didn't realize that there was an alien before that. And I cried during Aliens. Did I you? was so afraid. hmm mm. But I got over it. And you love it. Yeah. Now I'm like, wow! So, <laughs> Every year! You're so in love with this. <laughs> and I, I was fortunate enough to get to walk through this really scary... Alien set piece at the Moveum in London. Uh, that was pretty cool. All right, so that is a lot of exposition. <laughs> Let's get into the episode here because we do have a lot to say, or I have a lot to say, and Samantha's going <laughs> to be nod. very patient with me. Um, to start with, Alien is Yes, a 1979 sci fi horror movie distributed by 20th Century Fox, directed by Ridley Scott, written by Dan O'Bannon, and starring Sigourney Weaver. The am- amazing Sigourney Weaver. Yes, and I watched Cabin in the Woods last night, uh-huh. and I forgot she's in it. I love it. That it's was one so of the, like, the prime moments of Candid. Oh, you're like, yes, yes, she is. Yes, Um, Okay, so O'Bannon, the writer, was looking to ride the success of Star Wars with a different type of space story. Uh, it was pitched as Jaws in Space. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Ridley Scott described it as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, But science fiction. (laughs) And we should mention, he gets sole credit, O'Bannon does, for the script, but a handful of others made pretty big contributions, which led to a lot of tension. Rightly so. Yeah, of course. Anyway, the story involves the crew of the Nostromo, a commercial spaceship, kind of like a space tow truck, and their encounter with the, quote, perfect organism, the alien. The main character, though you probably wouldn't know it for the first act of the film, is Sigourney Weaver's Ellen Ripley, the capable and cool-headed senior officer. Uh, One of the posters came with the iconic tagline, In space, no one can hear you scream. Okay. (laughs) I guess that's right, unless you're in...
2: Although, in the movie, you don't hear them scream. It gets...
1: (gasps) Yeah. Muted somehow. There's a moment where I think they were playing with it, but then you do hear them scream. So I was like, well. It was like, it was very muted though. Mm -hmm. Or music is blaring over it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a choice. (laughs) It was a choice, but I don't know if it was like on purpose. The reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, The poster, also, by the way, that is just an egg on the front. Mm -hmm. Okay. Both audiences and critics praised the film, and it went on to win the Oscar for Best Visual Effects, three Saturn Awards, and a Hugo Award. Several film critics regard it as one of the best films of all time. It grossed about $200 million at the box office. In 2002, the Library of Congress added it to their National Film Registry, calling it culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. The American Film Institute placed it at 7th place on their list of best sci-fi films in 2008. And Empire put it into 33rd place when ranking best movies of all time. Also, speaking of rides, there used to be—I would love if a listener could write in and confirm this, but I feel like there was a ride called Alien Encounter, and I remember it being in Magic Kingdom where Lilo and Stitch is now, but that can't be right. Right? That
0: can't um, be right. It was in Magic Kingdom? What?
1: Well, super producer Andrew confirms it and my mind is blown. Uh, I just feel like it was really scary for Magic Kingdom. It is very scary. Um yeah, it was for people who don't know, you were in a chair and like there was a, the alien was in the in a tube in front of you. And then, of course, it gets out, and you feel it breathing on your neck, and then you get sprayed with blood as it kills somebody. It it was very intense. I can see why they maybe replaced it with Lilo and Stitch, where it's now kind of a funny ride. Um, Anyway, my mom and dad used to tell me about their experience seeing this movie in the theaters for the first time, which I find funny for several re- reasons, but they also went on to get married on May 25th, which is the day that it premiered, which I'm sure is a coincidence, uh, but <laughs> they told me people were running, puking, screaming, um, that they avoided looking at the poster after seeing it, because it scared them so much. Yeah, my dad popcorned it up in the air. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think about it, not too many things at the time. People hadn't seen too many things like that. Wasn't that in the same era as Halloween and? It was, yeah. And yeah. all that though. It was close, huh? Um, but like in space, people passed out during A New Hope because the spaceship in the beginning just kept going on. So you know, you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And I am playing the video game Alien: Isolation right now, which is a game where the alien can hear you as in the player, as in me, whatever is happening in my real-life environment. <laughs> and it uses that in the game, and I've died many, many times. Yeah, wasn't the recommendation to you about wearing headphones so you can hear
2: it even louder? Yeah, because it, it's surround sound, and you can, like, hear and it behind yeah. you or in front of you. Woo. So this film's success went on to inspire a franchise. Seven more films to date, if we include the Alien versus Predator films, which I also haven't seen those. They're great!
1: <laughs> Not really. <laughs> 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 They're fun. Not
2: really. <laughs> They're fun. The books, comics, video games, and toys, Pretty impressive
1: for a R-rated film. Yeah. The toys thing? Yeah. Can't think of too many other R movies. I guess like Serial Killers or, you know, like Monsters.
2: Oh, yeah. I think there was an actual like Halloween Jason toy yeah. and a
1: Freddy Cougar toy. Yeah. Which is really weird. Yeah. Um, I'll think about that later. <laughs> um, and yes, alien themes of motherhood, abortion, fear of sexual assault, post-humanism, and sex in general. Machines, corporations, putting technology, weaponry, and scientific discovery above the welfare of people. Some people have even interpreted the film as a metaphor for women's refusal to bear children. So yes, there is an actual reason why we're talking about right. this. It's not because I'm just a, a huge fan. It has a lot of feminist issues and just kind of... Right, anxieties around. Well, as you've already discovered, because researching, there's so
2: many articles and YouTube videos of these theories of how this is portraying the patriarchy as well as versus, like, feminism. What is this whole idea of one woman being independent, being a leader, all of these different... And, of course, I know
1: you're going to talk more about it, but birthing and vaginas, but yes. Yes, specifically birthing and vaginas. No (laughs) joke. Uh, Yeah, I am definitely not the only one who has put some thought to this by far. And I'm actually really relieved because I was watching that movie semi-recently. I'm like, I think this has got a lot going on with vaginas and stuff. (laughs) And then I'm glad I wasn't wrong. I wasn't way off base with that one. Um, From Tom Schoen over at Slate, quote... Alien has issues. It has mommy issues and sex issues. It has a thing for strong women, who it also likes to ogle in their undies. It's a hot mess, a Freudian fever dream with its crabby and post-coital atmosphere. Its rebirthing imagery, its queasily gynecological production design, its night sweat of male anxiety, a particularly horrifying confusion of the sexual gynecological with the gastrointestinal, wrote James Cavanaugh from Son of a Bitch, Feminism, Humanism, and Science in Alien, of the famous John Hurt birth scene in which a, quote, razor-toothed phallic monster gnaws its way through his stomach into the light, a kind of science fiction phallus dentatus. Oh,
2: yeah. Hmm. So the movie came out during a tumultuous time in our society. So Roe versus Wade had just recently passed, and gender and social politics were changing rapidly with the help of the second wave feminism. Not only that, but people increasingly had environmental concerns from pesticides, chemicals in our foods, and cancers caused by humans.
1: Yeah, like human whatever we're up to. Right. Um. So yeah, let's let's talk about the feminism of this movie. If you search for most feminist horror movies of all time, Alien is almost guaranteed to make the list. And if you just search this movie and feminism itself, yeah, you'll find pages and pages of think pieces about it, some lauding its accomplishments, some decrying its flaws. This movie is frequently examined through a feminist lens, seen as progressive for its time, while nitpicked for not going far enough, or sometimes in the context of how little the rest of the series has come in terms of feminism since that first one. Once described as, quote, a rape movie with male victims or an examination of the monstrous feminine, and yes, before you write in, we all know men can be and are the victims of rape as well, but this is how people have described it. Dan O'Bannon, the writer himself, claimed that to him, the movie examined the male fear of penetration, in which case I suppose we could add in homophobia in the general conversation here. Um, Here's a quote from him. One thing that people are all disturbed about is sex. I said, that's how I'm going to attack the audience. I'm going to attack them sexually. And I'm not going to go after the women in the audience. I'm going to attack the men. I'm going to put in every image I can think of to make the men in the audience cross their legs. Homosexual oral rape, birth, the thing lays its eggs down your throat, the whole number. So that's why right, the creator himself...
2: Uh, yeah yeah And that scene where it attacks like attaches to that guy's face. What's the character Ash? No that's, that's the Kane. that's the okay Cain. Yeah. oh that's right. Cain's mm-hmm. face.
1: That was really phallic and very, very disturbing yeah, in every sense right and and I want to go into that, but before it'll make sense, let's talk about how this creature works and, and brace yourself for how terrifying this thing is. <laughs> so the queen lays eggs and you actually don't see that until the second one but there's this big queen. She lays eggs. When the eggs hatch, the resulting creatures are called face huggers mm. and they find something living, and in this case, um, humans, to latch onto. As the name implies, they usually latch onto someone's face, wrapping their tail around the victim's throat and inserting their proboscis down their throat and forcing them to become the host for their baby if you can call it that a organism i guess it's a frightening disturbing act very very close to oral rape and i believe in the second one you get a closer look at it and it does look very vaginal and then there's a proboscis that looks very phallic so it's kind of been described as this combination the face, hu- the face hugger the face hugger because i was
2: going to say when they examine the yes. face hugger it'll,
1: it looked a lot like the clit and the vagina and i was like what What's, whoa, yeah. yeah, that's very, very obvious. It is quite obvious. <laughs> the first victim was deliberately chosen to be male, and yes, his name was Cain. Ash, um, who you later find out is an android, but he's right. the science officer on the ship. He refers to the organism inside Cain Kane as Cain's son, a reference to the biblical Cain, whose sons were born outside of God's laws and were therefore quite monstrous. I did not pick up on this until this last time we watched it. Right. Once the organism is ready inside the the its host's stomach, it bursts out of the victim's stomach, and this is called a chest burster. This was also famously parodied in Spaceballs, which you...
2: This is the one I remembered. I was like, wait, <laughs>
1: were they in off. a dining
2: diner? And, and then my friend was the one that said... Where's the scene where they
1: tap dance? <laughs> yes, and it sings, hello, my darling, hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And then from there, it grows very, very rapidly, like hours into a full-grown creature called a xenomorph. And I'm sure, no, I'm not sure at all, because you, all you listeners probably don't traffic in the same nerdery that I do, but I see a lot of YouTube videos that's like, explained the the morphology of the xenomorph, or the life cycle of the xenomorph, because um, it is kind of confusing. Right, But those are essentially the life, that's the life cycle.
2: Is it? Yes. I would never question it, because I'm like, it's an alien. What rationale? What r- rationale? You know, like, <laughs> what kind of rationale do you put to that? It's an alien. How do we know something that we don't know?
1: I think it just confuses people that the facehugger essentially dies. It puts your well, egg in it puts its egg in you. That was like
2: 20,000 questions I did ask. I'm like, wait, why, if that's the egg, why isn't the egg the thing? And why does it need to do one more extra step than just doing that? Because what?
1: It needs a gestation period. And it it sometimes, in other movies, it like takes the DNA of the host. of.
2: I guess so. Because I was very confused. I'm like, if it's already in the egg, then, and it's been birthed out of that egg, which it hatches out of, it's been birthed. So,
1: why is it doing it again? What is happening? I love this so much. We did have that moment. We did. And um, one more thing about them is uh, they bleed acid. Acid, yes. And this was done on purpose because the director and the writers were like, why would they not just shoot them? Oh, I know. They bleed acid and will destroy your spaceship. Fair. (laughs) Yeah, it worked. Okay, so that establishes the alien, some of the (laughs) things that we're talking about. Um, But we do have a character that's been pretty big in the genre since then. But first, we have a quick break for from From Response.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring, with access to over 6 million active hourly workers...
1: when you're talking about feminism and Alien, is, of course, Ripley, Mm -hmm. who, for listeners who've heard, I believe, the first episode I ever did as a full-time host was Final Girl. She is frequently pointed to as one of the original Final Girls, which is someone usually virginal who a woman who survives to the end Mm -hmm. of an onslaught in horror movies. So when it comes to our main protagonist, Ellen Ripley, Many of you have probably heard um, Ridley Scott asked for both male and female actors to read the part. Uh, It wasn't gender. They were like, bring in whoever. And they went with a then-unknown Sigourney Weaver. Also, by the way, Ridley Scott identifies as feminist. Cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so she is someone who is strong and capable while still maintaining her femininity, although... Not too much of it. But uh, and I, I personally, when I read that, I was like, does she? Um, you, well, apparently she kind of, it's the cat that most people point at. The fact that she uh, cares about the cat, saves the cat, very, I guess, a feminine trait. She has been described, uh, Ripley, not the cat, uh, as <laughs> the divine mother and protector of all life. The final shot in the movie, some people see as very uh, Virgin Mary, Mm -hmm. resembling Virgin Mary. She is also, for much of the beginning of the movie, largely ignored. Again, you might not know she is the main character for a while. Um, She's ignored by her male co-workers and even the other female one. uh, When she cites quarantine protocol, the thing that could have saved them from the alien... She's ignored. Completely ignored. Yep. Yeah, they're like, nah, <laughs> that's terrible. You're a terrible person. We're bringing, bringing Kane in with this mysterious right. thing attached to his that's face. That's anyway. obviously uh,
2: a horror in itself. But let's <laughs> yeah. bring it in. Everything's fine. Yeah. I think we're very chill about it. <laughs> they really were. I feel like that's a lot of the sci fi and horror movies. They're like, eh, that's cool. You know, things are everything's just fine. It's attached to his face; and it'll be okay. <laughs> they're, like, they're
1: bleeding out every orifice.
2: Let's just let's just talk to them, and call, comfort them.
1: Yeah, the yeah. Hell? Run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this other female character, her name is Lambert, who is played by Veronica Cartwright. Cartwright has publicly complained about the character of Lambert, um, who, if you don't know, she sort of spends the last part of the movie crying and upset. Screaming. Yeah. Um, she says she was told that Lambert, the, the actress, was told that Lambert was supposed to represent the fears of the audience. In the sequel, Aliens, it is revealed that Lambert was a trans woman. Um, a screen briefly shown reads: Despite conversion at birth from male to female, so far there are no signs of suppressed trauma from gender reassignment. And uh, of popular fan supported theory is that Lambert died via violent rape. Yeah, that was really horrible because she.
2: The last scene you see of her. Yeah, that we saw for her is her pantsless because all you could see is the leg, mm-hmm. and then the blood dripping down. Which, yeah, by the way, also represents many a many a times we talk about menstruation and penetration and all of that. But it was really wow. Yeah. As, as quiet as the death was, it seemed like it snaps away real quick. Yeah, you see it a little bit, and then that's it.
1: Essentially, you said the tentacle. <laughs> yeah, the tail. Uh, yeah. And apparently in the game, which I haven't gotten to this part yet. Apparently, you find her body. Is it is covered in blood. Maybe I'll report back on that. Mm. Um, both women in the movie had to wear tape over their nipples so as not to offend viewers in other countries when they'd come out of their like space hypersleep thing. <laughs> Many scholars argue that the character Ripley did so much to toughen up female heroines quickly and eventually led to characters like Buffy. Um, Sigourney Weaver reprised her role as Ripley in Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection. And yeah, we're not really talking about those today, but but briefly, her character arc takes her from sole survivor to mother, motherhood is all the thing in Aliens, to alien queen to a transformation into the other. She becomes a clone, not quite human, not quite alien. In Resurrection, Clone Ripley describes herself as the monster's mother. When that movie ends, it's two not-quite-human women that witness the new dawn that ride into the future with a Ripley that has rejected humanity and the alien and instead chosen herself. She goes from Mother Protector to Mother Destroyer. Uh, another time <laughs> we just
2: Well, I was going to say, it kind of how we talked about all the monsters, mm-hmm. female monsters, and we were talking about the yes. one being the protector, about... Baba Yaga? Baba Yaga, yeah. Baba Yaga. That sounds very similar to that same realm.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating. And as we, we talked about in that episode, it, well, that episode hasn't come out. So oh. this is a preview. Uh, we're doing one on female monsters. We do have, apparently in our society, a lot of anxiety around motherhood. And we've talked about that before. And you can see it a lot in this series. And here's one. I love this. One of the taglines for the third film was, this time it's hiding in the most terrifying place of all, which is a woman's body because it's in Sigourney Reaver.
2: To be fair, yeah. Spoilers,
1: spoilers, spoilers. A woman's body is really terrifying sometimes. (laughs) Apparently. Apparently. uh, Myself and, and many others did take issue with the underwear scene at the end of Alien. Specifically, she sort of thinks she's safe and she strips down to pretty much her underwear and, like, a top. But I, I'm actually torn about it because, to me, it makes sense you'd be stripping down. But it's hard to see it any other way because women are so objectified in film. It's just is. It's hard not to be, like
2: really. Right. And I think in that time and age, because when we saw them waking up at the very beginning scenes, they're in diapers, essentially. Yes. Right. And I guess she's getting ready to go to bed. And to me, that seems completely normal. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's the anticipation of the, you
1: know, something's not completely ended. Right. So why are you acting? Why are you acting like you're okay? Right. And that's a big complaint when it comes to final girls is sure. You have this strong, well, not always, but you have a woman who survives, and seems to be capable, but usually you're witnessing it kind of voyeuristically through the the killer or the okay. monster. So you're you're more connecting with the monster than you are with the the woman, typically. So that's part of my problem with it. I think is that it suddenly has that feel of like the alien is watching you and you're undressing, which um, again kind of makes sense, but. I do get a little, I'm a little torn about it.
2: I will say, when I've had a long day fighting aliens, I also want to strip down. <laughs>
1: Does this happen often?
2: Oh, so many times. Oh, geez. It's
1: annoying now. <laughs> I understand. I'm glad you've made it this long. This long. <laughs> um, and there are critiques of Ripley's um, nurturing nature and her sexual appeal um, that make her and her feminism at large, and feminism at large in this movie, I guess, and not so threatening to the patriarchy. So they, like, took those steps, but they did it in a way where men wouldn't freak out, right. I guess is the easier way of saying that. From Alien Woman, The Making of Lieutenant Ripley by Jason Smith, Jimena Gallardo, quote, In the final scenes of Alien, Ripley meets not just an alien creature, but a dark physical and psychological mirror of herself, like a woman with a flamethrower The alien is a fallacized fetish object, a creation of the male psyche of masculine fear and desire. Thus, the film ultimately pits the body against her own shadow self. But they go on to say... In a world where men can be subjected to the monstrous feminine becoming pregnant and give birth to monsters, where women can become the heroes and sole survivors, the male becomes superfluous, a soon-to-be outmoded form, and Ripley's confrontation with and final destruction of the alien, the object of desire of the military-industrial complex, gives voice to the contemporary feminist goal of saving humanity from the destructive impulses of patriarchy. I'm telling you, there's a lot to be said here. Sure. <laughs> we need that right now, and then here's something that you were curious about uh, oh, nice. mother it's basically the the computer, the ship's computer that's in charge of everything and it's they call it mother, but it's actually m u slash t h slash u r six thousand and um this ship is what wakes up the crew who was not really supposed to stop at this planet but wakes them up early to Investigate a signal coming from LV four two six, which is where things go terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. I, they change it to father and aliens. I think there's always like a <laughs> computer oh. sort of thing running it. And I've been interested for a while in like when we talk about mother's ship and why we right. refer to ships as she. Space is frequently seen as the vast empty womb of a woman, like. Just uh, giving these gender specifiers to, I was tempted to call Mother she, you know, things like that. Um, When the crew is first awakened by Mother, it is as if they are children emerging from her womb, like the diapers, like you said. Um, Mother does not have your best interest at art. She is a cold, heartless a bitch. Mm-hmm. Except not technically because she's a computer, but she's like... Oh, um, I guess the people who programmed her are, uh, from the movie, I love this quote, Mother, I've turned the cooling unit back on. Mother, the ship will automatically distract in T-minus five minutes. You bitch! <laughs> and yes, uh, that's when Ripley like starts throwing stuff right. at the computer mainframe. Right. Um, this was an argument between Ripley and Mother. Also, Mother's co conspirator, Ash, and Ash is the android character played by Sir Ian Holm. And I do, I feel like in every single alien movie, or almost all of them, the android character has some weird thing yeah. for the final girl, because most of these do have a final girl. Anyway, he tries to kill Ripley by shoving a rolled up porno magazine into her mouth, which also feels very uh, reminiscent of oral rape. Mm -hmm. Um, I've read that that scene is like, he represents toxic masculinity. Um, I never noticed there was all this porn in the background until I did this research. From the Monstrous Feminine Film Feminism Psychoanalysis... The science fiction horror film Alien presents a complex representation of the monstrous feminine as archaic mother. Mother Alien is primarily a terrifying figure, not because she is castrated, but because she castrates. Her all-consuming, incorporating powers are concretized in the figure of her alien offspring, the creature whose deadly mission is represented as the same as that of the archaic mother to tear apart and reincorporate all life. It is the notion of the fecund mother as abyss that is central to alien. It is the abyss, the cannibalizing black hole from which all life comes and to which all life returns that is represented in the film as the source of deepest terror. Significantly, there is an attempt in Alien to appropriate the procreative function of the archaic mother to represent a man giving birth to deny the mother as signifier of sexual difference. But here, birth can exist only as the other face of death. When one of the alien creatures orally rapes Cain, one of the male astronauts, it implants its embryo in Cain's stomach. But the primeval mother does not need the male as a father, only as a host body and the alien creature murderously gnaws its way through Cain's belly. Its birth leads to the male mother's death. The archaic mother is present in all horror films as the blackness of extinction. Death. The desires and fears invoked by the image of the archaic mother as a force that threatens to reincorporate what it once gave birth to are always there in the horror text, all pervasive, all encompassing, because of the constant presence of death. I mean... There's a lot of birth and death. Yeah. Yeah. And space is a great mm-hmm. background mm-hmm. To, to put that against. And we have to talk about the art. Yeah. Swiss artist H.R. Geiger's design in this film is a huge component of this whole conversation. Right. Right. This guy was big on very biomechanical sexual imagery and well-versed in expressionist German horror. A 1944 painting by Francis Bacon called Three Studies for Figures at the Base of Crucifixion served for a lot of Geiger's inspiration when it came to the design of the alien or the xenomorph, as it's called. And seriously, check out the painting and you will see it right away. The resemblance, is there. Bacon's work was an interpretation of the Greek myth around the goddesses of vengeance that chase life and the living, the Furies, who we will be talking about Mm -hmm. in an upcoming episode. Mm -hmm. Seems very appropriate for this whole design. Geiger specifically wanted to take something that is and long has been generally associated with pleasure, sex, and turn it into something horrific. He had done something similar in his collection of pieces called Necronomicon. Some of his designs were so overtly sexual that the studio turned them down which blows my mind because the ones that are in there are pretty overtly sexual also u.s customs held geiger after seeing his artwork for alien and being highly disturbed i think ridley scott somebody on the movie had to come and be like no he's he's working (laughs) on a film it's all good the first version of the egg, the egg that the face the facehugger comes out of, it had a one slit for the opening, and Ridley Scott allegedly LOL'd when he saw it because he thought it looked exactly like a vagina. Uh, back to the drawing board, and the opening became the X that we're more familiar with today. And the fully grown alien is very phallic in design, both its head... And the little dude that pops out of his mouth and, yes, pews acid, sort of like semen. Um, Some say it combines both the phallic and the vaginal. Roger Ebert once wrote... Alien uses a tricky device to keep the alien fresh throughout the movie. It evolves the nature and appearance of the creature, so we never know quite what it looks like or what it can do. The first time we get a good look at the alien, as it bursts from the chest of poor Kane, it is unmistakably in shape. and the critic Tim Dirks mentions its open, dripping, vaginal mouth. Mm. Mm. Also forgot to mention about Ash. He spews all the semen-esque yeah. stuff. Because he drinks... It's not milk, right? No. I originally thought it was milk because I was like, what? He actually, I've read if you pay attention to the whole movie, he never eats or drinks. He's just kind of there. But he drinks the milk in that one scene or the white substance. The white And I stuff. thought it was milk because I was yeah. like, this
2: is the 1980s, 1970s. Of course they're drinking milk. <laughs> right. Like like out of nowhere. But, and then you
1: start seeing him sweat and you're like, ooh. Something's off not, about this. That's not what that is. Ooh. Um, and trivia. Shredded condoms were used for the alien's jaw tendons. Um, Also, shredded condoms, it looks very much like the thing that, what's his name, picks up right before he gets murdered. It's like the shedded skin of the alien. Um, And then the slime, the alien slime, is KY Jelly. Lots and lots of KY Jelly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I love that even, even the props they used are pretty sexually suggestive. And then the ship. The ship they discover on LV-426 was pretty phallic in shape, and other parts of it resemble a giant womb. When the explorers, or you could say invaders, enter the ship, they are in suits that make them appear like their sperm entering the vaginal opening in the ship. And yes, seriously, seriously, uh, you won't unsee it, I promise. Once inside, Cain finds a womb-slash-tomb of alien eggs. Then came the sperm, in this case, <laughs> witnesses an egg open, the facehugger latches onto his face, transforms him into a womb. The creature cannot be removed until it has deposited its seed, and that is very violent rape. Um, and then the victim is forced to carry the organism to term and birth it, and even though it will kill the host, breed even at the risk of the mother, some also see the scene of the alien bursting out of Kane's chest as representative of the general male confusion and fear around birth. Right, <laughs> comes out of the stomach, lots of blood, right. <laughs> very violent. That's and exactly gruesome. how it happens. <laughs> yep, um, and uh, in every movie, there is, I believe, there's a scene of like, it's called the labyrinth, but it's supposed to be like the fallopian tubes in the womb and the labyrinth of a woman's body. Um, and most space movies are seen, yeah, as male explorers entering the womb of space. That has changed as we get more and more female representation, but for a long time. Veronica Cartwright said of the set, It was so erotic. It's big vaginas and penises. The whole thing is like you're going inside some sort of womb or whatever. Sort of visceral. So there you go. There it is. <laughs> there we go. Um, we do have some more for you. Yeah. But first, we have one more quick break. Forward from our sponsor. So I was going to go into my theory, my personal theory, which I, I believe forces the male viewer to think about the impacts of sexual violence and being unable to abort the resulting child and anxieties about being forced to pay for child care because, again, this is when Roe v. Wade is passing, right. women are getting more sexual agency, right. starting to enter the workforce. So I think there's, there's a lot of anxiety around it. Um, and I am, again, not the only one who thought that, but I feel like we've touched on... A lot of the stuff that I that was in my personal theory, um, it's been in, in hundreds and hundreds of essays and books. It's been examined as a parable about motherhood, a feminist allegory, an examination of abortion. So, yeah. So, Joseph Campbell wrote in his book, primitive mythology
2: about alien. There's a motif occurring in the certain primitive mythologies as well as in modern surrealist painting and neurotic dream, which is known to folklore as the toothed vagina, the vagina that castrates.
1: Yeah, yeah. The screenwriter himself, Dan O'Bannon, said he wanted to make male audience members confront the realities and horrors of sexual assault and rape, the fear of forced penetration and pregnancy. And yes, I've said it before. I'll say it again. One of my personal theories is that most horror movies ultimately are about fears of something about women. Right. Usually menstruation or pregnancy or sexuality in general. Right. That's just me. Film blogger, flick philosopher, founder Marianne Johansson told Broadly, Do men really require a science fiction scenario to understand how horrific unwanted violation of the body is? Maybe if our culture treated male-on-male rape like the horror it is, men wouldn't need to turn to science fiction movies to understand the problem. Even if some men require such a prompt for their empathy, the Alien franchise still isn't one that offers much in the way of true access to women's relationships with rape. And I do think it's interesting that for women, Alien is frightening, but we do have to deal with this fear in a much more real and regular way than men do. So all of the thought pieces, or not all of them, but a lot of them are like, it makes men face the truth of sexual violence, but it totally ignores, like, women um, or men that have dealt already right. with sexual violence. It's like, this will this will really scare the men. <laughs> hmm. Yes,
2: they're only really petrified by women, power, blood, <laughs> specifically menstruation. Oh, and, of course. And childbirthing. Mm-hmm. And then being penetrated, I guess. I guess. To be fair. Yes, that's petrifying. <laughs> The penetration
1: part, y'all. I don't know about everything else. Who knew that so much, we would have so much to say, mostly me, would have so much to say about Alien. I've I've, I've been ready. After you started writing, I was like, oh, here we go. And I cut out two pages. Uh, Yeah, you did. I cut out two pages. You did. Um, I would love for anyone else who has strong thoughts about really any movie, but any horror movie and Alien... um, I would love to hear from, from all of you. I am I'm loosely toying with the idea of doing like a spoiled Saturday. Yeah, I think it'd be a great idea. Where we do more recent horror movies because there has been a lot of, I think, movement in horror movies lately when it comes to feminism. Oh, yeah. Or a lot of interesting things to be said.
2: Right. And definitely people are understanding a lot of these kitschy things that have been happening specifically mm-hmm. towards females and the female protagonists. Mm-hmm. Or even antagonists, I guess. Um,
1: they're starting to kind of try to flip that on its head. I yeah, think it's really interesting. I do, too. And kind of going off of that, I did want to say that I'm going to be on Movie Crush. Yes. Which is another podcast on our network hosted by Chuck Bryant of Stuff You Should Know. Once for the Slasher edition, where I will be talking about some of those movies that turn things upside down, because those are some of my favorites that play with all of the tropes. And then I'll be on it again in November. And I have to pick my my movie, but maybe I'll do Alien because I've already done all of the research. You've already started there. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and then we did want to shout out um, a listener who wrote in. Um, Kathy, she wrote, a few episodes ago, you asked listeners to give you names of podcasts with Lady Host. I happen to host one. My husband and I are the host of a little-known podcast called Patron Saints of Pop Culture. We discuss the themes of recent movies and TV shows mostly, but we will also occasionally discuss video games and music videos. Since we are in the beginning of the spooky season, our mm-hmm. recent episodes have been on horror movies. We thought that was a perfect one to shout out for this episode. Yes. And then just to one more because of the
2: nerdery mm-hmm. that is happening, and I love it. Um, Black girl nerds is also one that you, you should—I'm sure people have already started mm-hmm. looking at—but like that would be one more to catch in if you want to go
1: deeper into the nerdum. Oh yes, <laughs> I do <laughs> clearly. I know you do clearly. Um, I really am so happy that we got to do this. I hope that listeners enjoyed it at least as a little bit, as much as I did.
2: Look, I I just watched it, and I know you're a fan, and I enjoyed it.
1: Yay! And this actually was a part of, um, a while ago, we had this idea for something called Feminist Movie Fridays, and it would be once a month, and we would look, and they were all horror movies because that's just how I am. Well, I'm putting Heathers in
2: there, obviously. Okay you and I have we already discussed... Switch. Yeah, we've already discussed the fact that you need to watch this. Right. Um, but to put in there as a... Maybe.
1: I don't know how well how it's uh, aged. Well holds up. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's always a scary thing. I have so many movies that were my favorites when I was a kid. And right. now I watch them and I just... I can't even do Right. It. Even like with shows that that were just recent. I was re some of 30
2: Rock. And that really hasn't held up either, surprisingly. And you would think... Because it wasn't that long ago. Mm. And at that point in time... It was getting into the trend of like being feminist and being mm-hmm. a, a
1: writer, a head writer and what that looks like. And it's still kind of like, oh, uh, oh, things have moved pretty quickly in right, that regard. Right. Um, but we would love to hear from listeners if you have recommendations for our next Feminist Movie Friday. Yes. Throw them into the ring. You can email us at Stuff Media Mom Stuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Andrew. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.